All right. Ready to go on? Ready. Okay. There are momentous things afoot in the world of conservation, perhaps the biggest American conservation push in decades, if not longer. And while it stems from an ambitious goal being set by President Biden and the federal government, it is to be a locally led effort in which ideally local communities decide the path forward that best works for them to protect their local lands and waters. This is the 30 by 30 initiative, so-called because it seeks to conserve 30% of America's lands and waters by the year 2030. Our guest today, Tanisha Harris, is the Chicago Land Conservation Manager for Illinois Environmental Council. She is at the forefront of this effort here in Illinois. Tanisha, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about the 30 by 30 initiative. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about it. I think our members are going to be interested in it. It's, it's right uh, up our alley. Um, we'll spend the bulk of the conversation talking about 30 by 30 and your conservation work. But before we get into the details, I wanted to ask about you and your background. How did you come to be working on the environment and in conservation? And were there any formative experiences that you feel like put you on this path? Oh, I love sharing the story. So I went to school at William Young High School and we have an animal room. Um, but most importantly, I had a very eccentric biology teacher that taught more environmental science than biology. And when we would share in class, like reasons why people enjoy the environment, mine was because I had a tree in the front of my apartment building on the south side of Chicago. And I love playing around that tree as a kid. But I realized that other people had more adventurous experience with the environment, whether that's rock climbing, snorkeling, kayaking, they live near a forest preserve or a state park. And I was like, I just had a tree in my yard and that's that was my journey to nature. And so as I went through my high school journey with the animal room and the greenhouse and the aquaponics, system we had, I was like, I really love nature and I want to make sure that like I pursue a career in which I can protect people and planet. So I realized that my story from a predominantly Black low-income neighborhood is not the one you hear. It's not very prevalent when we're talking about the environmental movement. It's actually been ignored and pushed down and overlooked and excluded in some cases. So I wanted to make sure that as I went through my career journey, I was uplifting the experiences and the voices of my community while protecting uh, the planet that I, I love so much. So describe a little bit what it is that you do in your role with IEC. Yeah, so as a Chicago Land Conservation Manager, I really oversee all of our conservation efforts um, within the city of Chicago, the surrounding suburbs, and sometimes it pushes up into Northern Illinois. Um, so some of that is facilitating and leading the Illinois 30 by 30 Coalition, which is its goal is to align Illinois with the 30 by 30 initiative, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. I work a lot with land use and zoning. So I'm in some subgroups that discuss that. I am working to build a legislative environmental champion. So it's a lot of taking our uh, elected officials and lawmakers and decision makers on conservation tours. We actually just had a very successful one that I organized on Tuesday of Bobian Woods, which is a forest preserve of the forest preserves of Cook County. And also helping build stronger relationships between decision makers and the community members that are doing 
amazing work on the ground to improve environmental quality, but also make it so the community can use that area. Um, and they need to work with the powers that be to really that makes the decisions on what all the development that happens in these places. And lastly, this is a personal passion of mine is to increase the inclusivity and uh, diversity of conservation jobs. As someone who's had them myself, I know firsthand what it's like to feel excluded and unwelcome in these jobs. And I want to change that in Illinois. Okay, so let's talk 30 by 30 a little bit. I gave the kind of briefest of explanations earlier. It's a goal to protect or conserve 30% of America's lands and waters by 2030. I'm um, hoping you can give some more detail. What does it mean beyond that goal? Um, where did it originate and where is it going? Yes, so um, the 30 by 30 initiative is an international campaign. So it's not just the United States working on it, but it has been reformed for the US into restoring and conserving America the beautiful. And it's a, that, there was actually a report that came out a few months ago in which the federal government lays out a plan to achieve this goal. So um, that report includes eight principles in which this work is conducted to make sure that it's an equitable process and is driven by science and data, which you know with this current climate is important more than ever. But there's also six goals that came out of the report in which the uh, Illinois 30 by 30 coalition, which is a coalition that has been convened by the IEC, has also adopted. But, you know, when you're thinking about 30 by 30, um, it's really, it's vital because of what's going on with climate change, um, the loss of biodiversity and our crumbling food web. So 12% of American lands are protected right now. And in Illinois, it's only about three to 4%, which is abysmal to say the least. And so this initiative is to increase the amount of protected land because nature-based climate solutions, which are, are using um, things like conservation efforts with uh, protecting lands, sustainable agriculture practices and community engagement to help mitigate the consequences of climate change and also protect biodiversity, which uh, not many people think about Illinois as having rich biodiversity, uh, you don't think about native species, whether that's plants and wildlife in Illinois, and you don't see it as a destination for conservation or outdoor recreation. And the Illinois 30 by 30 coalition set is aimed to change that. So it, it's a convening body of environmental justice organizations, environmental organizations, faith-based groups, businesses, community organizations, and uh, any other stakeholder like land and water stewards who are involved in protecting um, are protecting nature, essentially, and um, figuring out how does Illinois align with restoring and conserving America the beautiful, and how can we present policy solutions to achieve the goals that we lay out? What do you think conserved or protected? What, what do those words, what do those ideas mean in the context of 30 by 30, and what do you think they should mean? Oh man, that is a very contentious uh, or controversial question. So um, IUC has joined a few big tent calls as they're, as they're called in which it's a convening of states actually doing this work and trying to figure out how their state can align with 30 by 30. And no one knows how to define this in policy. So um, conservation is really, you know, 
protecting land in the most pristine condition as, as possible and maintaining it um, in a way that is close to how it originally was with before human um, interaction. And preservation is sustaining the land in a way that you can still have human um, interactions with it, such as logging or hunting and fishing, but it's there for generations to come. And so there, that's like kind of a very loose textbook way to define it. But the way you define it in policy is going to determine how it's executed and implemented. So people are struggling to figure out how do you define conservation and preservation and even restoration. And right now we've settled on using protecting because it seems to be a word that even the public understands, which is another um, obstacle with this 30 by 30 work because um, at least with the Illinois 30 by 30 coalition, we want it to be something that community is engaged with. We don't want to continue conservation as uh, traditionally conducted where, you know, People just come together with a plan, it's implemented, there's no community input, decision-making or engagement at all. So when you're talking about having the community involved, you have to use a terminology that is accessible to people. Climate change, basically someone understands it at some level. Conservation, preservation, protection, nature-based climate solutions, it goes over people's heads. And so while we're thinking about how do we define this in policy, you also have to figure out how do you define it in the education that you're doing with communities. And IEC is doing education. So because we want this to be a community participatory, um, we want the development and decisions to be made with community members because they know best what needs to happen in their community. Like as someone from South Shore, I would love to be involved in what happens in South Shore. I grew up there for 18 years. My family is still there. And so we're doing these series of community listening sessions in which we go into communities across Illinois with community organizations who have a presence there, who have the rapport and trust of their communities. And we ask them, what are your attitudes towards what we're trying to accomplish? What are some barriers to accomplishing these goals where we're you know, aligning Illinois with 30 by 30? And what are some solutions you would like to see implemented? What do we need to do to make it where this is as beneficial to your community as possible? And where are some gaps in information and knowledge that we don't know because we don't live there? So you alluded to this, but I think when a lot of people think of conservation, they might think of the late 19th century model associated with Teddy Roosevelt, you know, preserving large parcels of quote unquote pristine wilderness. Um, you know, Yellowstone National Park is probably the prime example of this. Um, but as fantastic as Yellowstone is, there are downsides, limitations to that model. Um, there's only so many Yellowstones, Grand Canyons, Yosemites, but also most people live far away from these places. And if they can ever get there at all, so they're just not part of people's daily lives. Uh, most people live in cities or suburban areas. Um, if that's the model of conservation, the majority of the American population is going to be estranged from conservation. They may not realize the benefits of it and they may not care about it. So your title, Chicago Land Conservation Manager, <laughs> what, you know, how can conservation be achieved in urban, suburban, and, and high density areas? Um, what does conservation look like in those areas generally? And, and what might it look like specifically for the Chicago metro region? Yes. Yeah, so um, 
that is a, a great question. And especially something that is my role as a Chicagoland conservation manager, I'm kind of tasked with answering. How do you do conservation in Illinois? I think our forest preserves is a great example of trying to get conservation in metropolitan cities. And so that looks like expansion of forest preserves, um, whether that's increasing the amount of area that they, increasing land acquisition that they take up. So having it where it encroaches a little bit more into urban areas, but it's also how do we develop parks? So working with the Chicago Park District in the maintenance and upkeep and programming that's available in parks, because 30 by 30 isn't just as you alluded to Yellowstone, it looks like any green space that serves as a carbon sink. So that's parks, those are community gardens. And with community gardens, it tackles a lot of environmental issues, uh, whether that's food scarcity, food, um, food deserts, and also an area where the community members can gather and socialize in a safe space. Because as we know with the COVID-19 pandemic, being outside is the one of the safest forms of socialization. So you have uh, public parks, you can have community gardens, whether that be ornamental or food production, increasing the amount of resources that our forest preserves get so they can acquire more land, but also thinking about what do you do with brownfield and Superfund sites? They can be revitalized and remediated into um, things like parks and preserves where it's it's an, a green space. It's doing what it needs to do to protect our shorelines, to prevent erosion, to serve as a way to mitigate flooding, which is a severe problem on the east side of Chicago, um, and serve as a carbon sink and clean our air and water. But it also achieves some of the goals of 30 by 30 because it is protected land that the community can use because you can't just create a green space in a metropolitan city like Chicago that can be used by the community. And it's also thinking outside of that. So the way the Illinois 30 by 30 coalition approaches this work is that it's nature-based climate solutions and clean energy. So as there is a separate bill called the Clean Energy Jobs Act being pushed by some of our advocates, including IEC, it's thinking about electrifying mass transportation fleets, but also extending that. So again, because I'm the Chicagoland Conservation Manager, the Chicago Transportation Authority or CTA is considering, um, is thinking about how do you extend train and bus lines so they can go to some of these natural areas such as Big Marsh or Indian Ridge Marsh or even a forest preserve. Um, and making sure that it's where, you know, the community uses public transportation. So let's use public transportation to increase access to green spaces that might be on the outskirts of the city while funding um, forest preserves and park districts and um, other organizations that do restoration and acquisition to make some of these places walkable. We, we know from the community, they want to be able to walk to these green spaces and they want them to be maintained and they also want them to be inclusive. So while you're thinking about expanding open space in a metropolitan city and how you do that with public transportation, bike lanes and how you change um, the way our roads are structured, you also want to consider, okay, once you've created the green space, is it inclusive and welcoming? And that's something that's a problem our forest preserves are having that they're doing to address right now. And I'm, I'm actually very um, honored to be a part of that um, solution 
brainstorming work, but um, making sure that it's safe. So safe, open space, safe, accessible, open space. That's one of the goals of restoring and conserving America the Beautiful. And that's a goal that has been adopted by the Illinois 30 by 30 coalition. And then local food is another big tenet of how you achieve this in uh, a metropolitan city. So you've talked about the report that came out as part of the launch of the initiative. Um, the report was called America the Beautiful, and it's, it's not very long. It's totally worth reading if you're interested in what 30 by 30 is for any listeners. Um, it highlights three central problems that 30 by 30 sets out to address. Disappearance of nature, climate change, and inequity. And I want to talk a little bit about the problem of inequity. Um, you touched on this in a little bit of what you said about some of the things you're working on. But, you know, I don't think that this is something that an environmental initiative would necessarily have taken on 10 years ago, let alone 50 or 100. Um, this initiative, 30 by 30, seems to be putting it front and center. Um, I think that's indicative of how the movement has changed and has continued to change due to the work of activists and scholars who've you know, are revealing the ties, the deep links between our environmental and, and social ills. I mentioned some of the critiques um, and the limitations of the old model of conservation. And one of those certainly is that it's not necessarily effective to simply protect just enough land. Like just looking at the acreage of land protected, you've also got to look at where the land is, who has access to it, who can benefit from it. I feel like in recent years, there's been something of an increased awareness that communities of color in the U.S. bear the brunt of living in some of the worst polluted areas, that they, uh, there's just a disproportionate impact um, of pollution on communities of color. I think less well understood is the disparity in nature deprivation, and you alluded to that when we first started. Nature deprivation meaning living in areas with a higher proportion of natural areas lost, Due to human activity that's that's how the initiative defines it so you shared with me some information before we talked and there was one bit in particular that i thought illustrated this starkly so here in illinois 21 percent of white people live in a nature deprived area so a very you know a relatively small minority meanwhile 70 percent of people of color in illinois live in a nature deprived area even if you're not easily shocked by racial disparities in the U.S., those numbers should make you sit up and take notice. Um, so just beyond identifying inequity as a problem, what is 30 by 30 doing to address that head on? Yeah, so I completely agree that the old model of conservation and environmentalism would not have considered equity. It's actually been extremely detrimental to that. If you think about the formation of our national parks, it displaced thousands of indigenous people off lands that they have done a tremendous job of protecting and um, maintaining in a sustainable way. And that even now, that history of tribally-led conservation is not as well known. It's, it's slowly being taught in environmental curricula, but you know John Muir, you know Teddy Roosevelt, um, you, you know all the white leaders of the environmental movement that have done heinous acts against um, by Black Indigenous people of color. Um, and so when you think about nature-deprived areas, that is 
something that you see Black, Indigenous, people of color living in more so, as you just um, said in your stat. And the more natural areas that are lost, which is 24 million acres of natural area lost since 2001, that is exacerbating how much nature-deprived um, spaces that BIPOC people live in. It's a paradigm shift to have equity embedded in not only in this 30 by 30 initiative, because it's, it's, it's kind of like taking a microscope and seeing like, these are the harms and injustices that have happened with these communities. This is how we're changing it. And I think the reason that that's included in this new model is because of all the work of environmental justice activists and the youth climate movement, which I'm proud to say has been more inclusive and welcoming than its predecessor of the environmental movement in general, um, saying that we have extreme problems with pollution and degradation and it's, and, you know, with the, um, especially with the IPCC report saying we're getting closer and closer to that tipping point and it, climate change is human cause, um, the environmental justice movement has made itself a force of nature <laughs> that has to be reckoned with and it's making so equity is ingrained in every single policy around um, protection of natural areas. And why is that important? If you, it's not just protecting land and creating more Yellowstones, if we're gonna keep using that example. But if you think about in Chicago, the loss of the tree canopy, I think it went up to 19% in 2019 and we've lost our tree canopy. That is more detrimental on the south and west sides of Chicago than it is on the north side. Um, the south and west sides of Chicago are predominantly um, Black, Indigenous, people of color. Some areas are mostly low income, so it's also socioeconomic status. And that means that they serve, they suffer from the urban heat island effect, where you know as temperatures increase through the climate change, and you know we're feeling we're feeling it right now with these records, 80 to 90s, and um, sometimes any triple digit numbers in this summer alone, um, because of the loss of tree canopy, there isn't uh, there isn't the cooling effect that comes with trees, there isn't the shade, and so they're suffering from extreme heat and feeling the brunt of it more than in areas that where I live in Rogers Park right now. Um, it's not as bad because I have plenty of vegetation around me to help mitigate that. So um, also 30 by 30 can rectify the inequity of problems. So if you think about if we're including community and the processes of development that happens um, in their community, it's also kind of addressing redlining that happened. Again, in Chicago as an example, the reason why these communities are living in areas of pollution and decreased vegetation, and less access to green space is because of redlining. Because um, when those districts were being drawn and when you're thinking about banks offering home loans, they wanted to keep black people, black indigenous people of color out of the neighborhood. So by including equity in 30 by 30, it's rectifying these long-term injustices and it's doing so by saying you can't have access to green space. And we're not only do you have access to green, Space. We're going to make sure it's inclusive. We're going to hold the people that um, manage that space accountable for creating a welcoming environment. Um, we're going to make sure that, you know, it's not, and it's also not just looking at large swaths of land that can be protected. Uh, going back to that, what can you do with brownfield sites? What can you do with Superfund sites? Remediating them, revitalizing them so they can now be green spaces. And they can't, instead of being sources of pollution, there are sources of clean air and water and a source where the community can gather. 
that's also how 30 by 30 can rectify um, injustices and include equity in it. The way that the Illinois 30 by 30 coalition is doing it and IEC are having these community listening sessions where compiling this data from how what we're doing listening in these communities and saying okay we are not going to do conservation as traditionally it was not only are we going to unsilo this work but we are going to use the community input and make it a decision making process and um by ingraining equity in 30 by 30 it's making sure that you don't hit uh those problems that come up where you figure out oh i'm going to implement this conservation solution and oh it doesn't work for the community and not they vehemently reject it and now they're fighting us but something that works with the community and makes it more holistic in a way that it achieves our goals of protecting more natural area but also um, bringing equity into the forefront Another one of the critiques of kind of the older model of conservation is that these protected areas, as, as, as incredible as they are, are still just disconnected islands in a landscape that's dominated by human use and alteration. So when you look at animals and wildlife, for example, um, they need interconnectedness of these protected areas. Migration corridors are extremely important. So while places like Yellowstone have served as, as a kind of preserve, and some animal species can survive within them. The overall outlook for wildlife in the US and around the world is pretty bleak. Um, we're seeing serious species decline, extinction rates. So back to Chicago as an example of one urban area that is involved in this. How do you think conservation in an urban, urban suburb and high population density environment can help with the connectedness issue? So one of the goals of conserving, restoring America the Beautiful, and that has been adopted by the Illinois 30 by 30 Coalition is to increase the collaboration of uh, fish and wildlife corridor management. So when you're thinking about how species meet interconnectedness and ecosystems do not have borders, it's also thinking about who are the stewards of this land and water and are they talking to each other? Are they collaborating with each other? Are they implementing plans or proposing plans that work in tandem with the other person or is it super hyper focused on that one area? Um, again, Illinois is rich with, with species and with us with it being 70 with Illinois land be 75% of it being used for agriculture. It's it's really important that we think about how what type of interconnectedness is there with the way the land is being used to protect our species and to protect biodiversity. Um, so for example, you can have farms that share a border or an edge with a nature preserve and the pesticides that are sprayed on the farms are um, killing the native plant species that are in the preserve right next door. So by implementing sustainable agricultural practices and um, working with farmers to adopt those practices, you are protecting the preserves and parks that are right next to it. And with the collaboration of land and water stewards, which we also realized that with the 30 by 30 initiative proposed by the Biden administration, we talked to our, our water experts and they were like, we need a specific water goal. Because if you continue to lump it in with land, land gets the most, um, gets the most uh, attention. And then you have parcels, you have scattered parcels of land that aren't where that 
aren't connected to anything. And then you still have the loss of species that move between these parcels of land or move between these ecosystems. So we pulled out a specific water goal that's going to work with that goal of um, collaboration of fish and wildlife corridors. And with that, you're creating holistic um, environment within the state of Illinois and even including the city of Chicago in which wildlife can thrive because um, the way that their land is being managed is in a holistic way because the um, agencies and departments and organizations that maintain them are working together to figure out, okay, you have this and I have that and this is intertwined. How do we develop a plan that protects that species because it's not restricted to one environment? Even though we have native habitats in Illinois and we have hundreds of different species, 20% of these species in Illinois are non-native and find the well-being a native species. So by um, implementing sustainable agricultural practices, improving fish and wildlife corridors, unsiloing the work between conservation agencies, and remove, removing non-native species and creating implementation programs to manage them, such as buckthorn and invasive carp, that's how we're going to protect biodiversity and the food web in Illinois by working with what the state is. Okay, I, I do want to ask about farming in Illinois because... It's such a behemoth on the landscape. So there's a refrain in the political cultural conversation that people on the coast or in the cities don't understand what real America is like or what the American heartland is. So I think this is often a disingenuous tactic just to exacerbate the culture war. But I think there's also an element of truth that there are misunderstandings going both ways. The divide that I find particularly interesting is less about the cultural gap, you know, and the difference of how people live or what they believe, but more about our awareness of what is actually happening on the landscape itself. So most people do live in cities or metro regions. They don't necessarily know what's going on out in rural areas. Like you said, 75% or so of Illinois is in row crops. Now, For whatever benefits are extracted from corn and soy farming, there are serious problems. It's the biggest driver of water pollution in Illinois, and it's not really all that close. I'm not sure that that's well understood by people in major metro areas. That's a problem. It's particularly a problem in Illinois because the political and economic power is really tied up in the Chicago area. If you want to get anything done statewide, Chicago's got to be bought in. So 30 by 30 puts a lot of weight into local control, locally led conservation. But for as much as we need urban conservation in areas where we've not had it historically, we also desperately need it on working lands if it's going to be at the kind of scale that addresses the problems of pollution, habitat loss, climate change. And the ag industry has historically been really resistant to reforms. So I have some skepticism about relying on local leadership here. My question is, what I'm wondering is, what is the responsibility of the urban dweller vis-a-vis rural land use? How can we get people in Chicagoland to take seriously the environmental problems outside the cities and to seriously push for more conservation throughout the state? Because there is a relationship there. There is an interdependency there, and um, but but there needs to be, 
I think both more awareness and more engagement on that. Thoughts? That's a great question. So I think the way to get the urban dweller more involved in what's going on in our rural landscape is to make the connection between their day-to-day life and farming. And I'm also hoping that in the city of Chicago, which is a behemoth in the political landscape, and you do need to have buy-in of Chicago, it's going to become a misconception. So we had a listening session on the North side and surprising to IEC, most of the participants were deeply interested in what was going on with farming and sustainable agriculture. And we we're going to coast over that because we're like, oh, we have so many other topics to cover. Why would we focus on that? Or they were like, no, we want to know what's going on. And they were enthralled by the information we were sharing. And I think with the rise of food sovereignty um, and understanding of how farming and agriculture and the practices that are employed impacts natural spaces, climate change, Um, biodiversity, more people that aren't directly in that lifestyle or in that state of being are becoming more interested in it. So let's say, let's, for example, you know, Illinois ranks 48th in the nation for publicly accessible open space and 32nd in the nation for acres conserved. So we have 309 state parks, but again, those parks are interspersed with farms. And as you did allude to, as our agriculture is a significant contributor to the debt sum in the Gulf of Mexico. So we have people in the city of Chicago that are invested in what's happening with climate change, what's happening with pollution, um, how do we protect our urban space? And it's, it's our, I see it the job as the 30 by 30 coalition and IEC to make the connection with, hey, sustainable agriculture is something we we have to pay attention to. We can't achieve 30 by 30 in Illinois without thinking about agricultural practices. And it's doing that type of education with everyone, not just farmers, but also urban dwellers to say, you have to pay attention to this as well because it's what's happening with agriculture that's going to determine what happens with our, the state of biodiversity in the state, what happens with how much natural lands we can protect. And what's happening to your own food system and food production, you know? Did you know that the soybean and corn that we grow here isn't edible? That, that surprised a lot of people in that listening session. They're like, what? This, this surprised me too. Um, and, I, and I think it's making that connection to, it's the why. It's, you always have to answer, why should I be concerned about this? And, and you know, actually a 30 by 30 has really forced experts to reevaluate that why and how. How is farming practices, how are farming practices and climate change and nature-based climate solutions connected? And in Illinois, with 75% of the land being agriculture, it's not, it's not a question of like, oh, should we do it? We have to make that connection and we have to do that education between urban dwellers and rural dwellers and make sure that there is buy-in on both sides because Illinois is deeply impacted. But it's not just the urban dweller, it's also elected officials that we have to do education about this on. Because it's surprising to so many people that 75% of the land is for agriculture. And you think about, and you also have to think about the farming community. How do you maintain economic well-being 
um, while transitioning to cover crops and um, polyculture and nutrient loss reduction and implementing these strategies um, like the Illinois Wildlife Action Plan and nutrient loss reduction strategy with thinking about how do you go against, how do you transform the culture of farming when they have um, people like in the city of Chicago who aren't as invested in it. So I think it's, I think it's widespread education. I think it's answering the, why should I care about this? How does it affect me? And making sure people understand that because of the way Illinois is, you can't achieve 30 by 30 without addressing agriculture. And so it's not giving choice of deciding whether you even address it. You have to. Great answer. <laughs> oh, thank you. Because that was a hard question. <laughs> uh, no, that, that, was a, that was a very good answer. Um, uh, I'm heartened to hear about the response at the listening session that they were really interested because that's something that I it concerns me and I could not agree more about education for elected officials as well it's shocking some of the times I've walked into an office say in DC and talking about you know talk about whatever issues and I think there's just um, sometimes a level of ignorance about like what farming is and isn't um, are we growing food? Is this edible? What actually are we growing? What are the externalities from farming? And so, yeah, I just, I think you're right on that. Um, we, the people in our community who do know some of these things need to be better about educating yeah. uh, decision makers. And, and that's why, you know, as, as we're doing this work, you can't make a cookie cutter plan or, or bill approach to it. So I had the pleasure of asking uh, Brenda Mallory, who is the chair of the Council of Environmental Quality, a question of like, how do you achieve 30 by 30 and 30 by 30 in a place like Illinois, which is rural and urban? Um, and that's why it's so important to have community engagement and participation because we have such unique landscapes, whether that are the ecosystems or the communities, you can't propose one blanket policy solution and expect it to be executed perfectly across the state because you have different um, priorities and obstacles with throughout Illinois. And I, I think that question is great because it's also not only do you need to educate, you know, urban dwellers about this is what the state of Illinois is actually like with agriculture, it's also a vice versa um, approach as well, you know, and like I said, like, how do you do 30 by 30 in a metropolitan city? Well, how do you do it in a state that has rural, suburban, and urban landscapes? We're still trying to solve that question because we know it may not be as simple as passing, you know, one bill, and it may not be as simple as one policy solution because you, Illinois is very unique in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely, you know, some of the kind of underlying assumptions of the questions that I've asked you is like, oh, well, it's urban. How do you do conservation there? But honestly, cause, you know, because I think that's the way most people kind of approach the thought. But like when I look at it, I feel like there's probably more to be easily gained in the kind of metro region than in the, than the rural areas. Like I think that's going to be a harder lift, actually, um, mm -hmm. because I think culturally politically a lot of it runs counter so I, I think people see just well i see green open space we can do conservation there yeah we could but i think in some ways it's going to be an even more difficult lift yeah uh, 
Yeah. And, and you also like, and that's where land use and zoning comes in, which is the large tenant of my I job. And I'm starting to delve into a little bit more and more. Um, Chicago has a very interesting zoning code and, um, you know, Alder have a lot of power in approving zoning processes that goes on. And sometimes they run counter to what the community wants. Uh, I think one of the biggest well-known ones is the movement of General Irons, which is a metal shredding facility from a pretty affluent neighborhood of Lincoln Park to um, a predominantly Latinx neighborhood of, uh, on the South side. I think it's North Lawndale and Pilsen. And so those types of land use battles, which you may not think of intuitively for 30 by 30, is 30 by 30. How do you make land use decisions? It, could that be a site where you can have open space or do you let industry move into it? What does the community feel about it? How do you build that power and educate um, decision makers so they can make the decision to say, we're not going to uh, bring in another source of pollution. And that's a, that's a fight that's unique to only certain parts of Chicago, not Chicago as a whole. And then like rurally, it's a whole nother thing. It's like a culture shift. How do we get more farmers to subscribe to the cover crops program? How do we create more incentives for private owners to um, have land become a conservation easement? How do you get more dollars to stewardship of this land once it's been acquired? It's, there's so many obstacles that we have to tackle in the state of Illinois that other states may not have to deal with. We've kind of been circling around yeah, some of the problems and some of it stems from the fact that everything feels like a flashpoint or a conflict in the country right now. Um, everything seems like a proxy war for some other battle that we're fighting. Do you think we can bridge that divide on 30 by 30? Is this something that have you have you seen any sense of whether and to what degree this is supported by the public? I think that's really a question that a lot of our, a lot of IEC's partners are looking at us to solve. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I had a lot of hope from our first listening session in which we had a bunch of Northsiders, like tell us more about sustainable agriculture. What can we do about it? What's going on? Which again is something we did not expect. Um, we have a lot of momentum for 30 by 30 and the, we have conservation agencies and land and water stewards and community organizations that are interested in the work. I think it can be done, but we, we are tackling how do we unsilo it first and get that engagement. While also thinking about a lot of the people that we need at the table aren't funded and resourced to do this. So I think it's possible, but it's definitely going to be a long, bumpy road to get to it. And we're encountering some challenges right now that we're working to overcome. So on your bio on the IEC site, um, at the end, you say that you enjoy karaoke. What is your go-to, like, knock it out of the park track? <laughs> um, Rolling in the Deep by Adele and Bang Bang by Jesse J. <laughs> Wow, well, that is ambitious. I, oh, but people love it. Yeah, wow, that <laughs> I, that speaks volumes. Then I want to thank you, Tanisha, so much for your time and for talking to us. Anywhere you'd like to direct people, 
or um, anything that people can do to help or to take action on these issues? I would direct people to the to ilenviro.org website. We have ways for people to take action and they're actually called action alerts. So you can stay up to date with the latest news of what we're doing with 30 by 30. You can read some amazing blogs on conservation in Illinois, the 30 by 30 initiative. And there are action alerts and ways to help protect our environment and get in help get in contact with your elected officials. So I would love to draw people to that website and our social media. Tanisha, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. A very special thank you to Tanisha Harris for joining us on this episode and for her continued effort to bring Illinois along in the ambitious goal to conserve 30% of America's land and water by 2030. If you'd like to support this podcast and the work Prairie Rivers Network does to protect water, heal land, and inspire change, you can donate and become a member at prairierivers.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.